play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, actor, comedian, and my friend, Darcy Carden's last meal. Here's the thing. I know what you think it would be. Can we say what you think it will be, what I think you think it will be on three? Okay, count to three. Okay, one, One, two, two, three. Darcy plays Janet on NBC's The Good Place. This is the show with Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. She is on one of the best shows of all time, Broad City. She plays Gemma, who works at the gym. Uh, She's been a longtime improviser with the Upright Citizens Brigade, UCB, in both L.A. and New York. And uh, this isn't exactly a title, but I think it's cool. She's on a women in comedy basketball team called the Lucille Ballers. And she's also just kind of the greatest. And we will learn about one of the world's most perfect foods, the McDonald's French fry. From a man who's eaten a ton of McDonald's French fries. You've worked at McDonald's since 1971, is that correct? Mm -hmm. How many orders of French fries do you think that you've eaten? Oh my God, Uh, three or four orders a week. And have you ever wondered why the marshmallows in Rocky Road ice cream don't freeze? I've wondered this, now I have Darcy wondering this. So we're gonna get the answer from the owner of Sweet Lowe's Ice Cream. And you'll never guess why Rocky Road is called Rocky Road. All of that coming up, but first, my chat with Darcy Carden. Okay, so I want to start with asking you a question that I feel is probably the question you are asked most, which is, Okay. Did you know that your birthday is the day after my birthday and that we were born in the same year? Ooh, that is not the question that I thought you were going to ask. Oh, nobody's asked you that before? (laughs) I am January 3rd, 1980, and you're January and me, 4th. I'm January 4th, 1980. Yes. So, wow, you are so much older than me. It's crazy. <laughs> what is the most common question that people ask you now that you are on a hit TV show? Oh, that's cute. I feel like there there's a lot of like, um, I, I don't even know what the question would be, but but um, there I, there's a lot of Siri and Alexa talk. Okay, because you are like the Siri slash Alexa on the show. That is correct. I play this sort of like robot-y type of woman. I mean, a human Siri is like a perfect kind of description of her. So there's a lot of um, Siri talk, which is totally fine. I don't mean I'm like annoyed. I just mean I only I only tell the same story over, over and over again, which I'm going to tell right now. This is what it is. I was at a party. It was great. People were having a good time. We were enjoying ourselves. Music was playing. And then the host of the party comes out with the birthday cake and she screams at her Alexa to turn the music off. Like she, she was like, turn the music off, Alexa. And, um, and it made me not like her anymore. I don't (laughs) like this person anymore. (laughs) I think I had a, like my whole life. I do think I've had this like sort of, um, soft spot for like robot people or like Pinocchio people. (laughs) Were you a fan of Small Wonder? Did you used to watch that show? Some reason Small Wonder kind of gave me the creeps, but a lot of eighties TV shows in like when I was a kid gave me the creeps, like Alf gave me the creeps. And um, Married with Children gave me the creeps. I don't know why. A lot of like regular adult TV shows when I was a kid, I was like, 
I think I'll just watch Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable. I'm trying mm-hmm. to I'm trying to make the connection between Alf and Married with Children, two shows I would never put in the same category. I know. Well, here's the other thing. Like I was kind of a rule follower. I think I was a rule follower when it came to my parents. And if my parents said, you can't do this or you can't do that, it just was fact. It was just the way it was. Like my, I wasn't allowed to watch PG-13 and above. I remember being at a sleepover where they were going to watch a scary movie. And I was like, okay, well then I'm going to go home. Bye guys. Like I, it wasn't even like a big deal. I just was like, well, I can't do that. So I'm going to go home. But I, okay. So that all that being said, Darcy, I I literally did the same thing. I can't believe you are as dorky as me. And I later became like a total bad kid. But when I was a kid, the same thing I said, I'm going to sit in the other room and cause I can't watch this. (laughs) Totally. And it wasn't, it wasn't to like make anyone feel bad. It was just like, this, this is the fact I can't watch this. So (laughs) I'm going to go, but have a great time guys. Um, (laughs) But I, for some reason, we weren't allowed to watch Alf, Married with Children, Night Court. Why Alf? Is Was Alf nasty? Alf was so nasty. Well, okay. <laughs> On the surface, you know, it just looks like a show about kind of a stuffed animal. But watched it again, like, maybe five years ago. And okay. Alf drinks beer. He's also kind of a jerk. Um, mm-hmm. He's really into ladies. So he's kind of crude. He's just kind okay. of like a gross uncle or like an okay. over aged yeah. frat guy. So maybe that's why because he was a little bit of a crude, rude dude. Oh, that <laughs> that actually totally makes sense, though. I always like as an adult, I always had a theory that they were just shows that my mom didn't like. So she was like, you're not allowed to watch that. Um, Ooh, that's a good parenting technique. Right, right, right. Okay, I feel like we have to pull back the curtain for a minute and let people know that we know each other. Oh, oh, we're going to reveal. We are. We should reveal that, that we do know each other and we've known each other for uh, a good long time, like over a decade. Over a decade. Yeah, because I went to college with your older sister, Lainey. Hi, Lainey. Hi, Lainey. Hi, Lainey. (laughs) We love you, Lainey. You're probably listening to this. Um, yes, you know, Lainey, you guys went to college together and you were like one of her most exciting new friends. I remember when she met you in college, it was like, you have to meet Rachel. You're going to love her. And guess what? I did. That is great. That's how I felt about her too. I was always telling people they had to meet her. Um, no, since I've been watching you from afar for over a decade now, uh, it has been really cool to watch your career progress because you also in a weird coincidence, went to college with one of my best friends. We have all these strange connections. But so, you know, I know that you went to school to study theater and then now to see you on TV. So kind of talk about your path. Okay. Well, so I went to this college in Oregon called Southern Oregon University, which was like a real theatery theater school, like a real Shakespeare and like all the, the classics. And then I immediately like immediately moved to New York to do theater right after I graduated. You know, you kind of move to New York the way you do in the movies, like with two suitcases and a, and a bright coat and you just spin around and a dream, you know? And, um, and I just was like, not, you know, I, I, there's Broadway and then there's like little theaters all over the city. And I, I just was like a little overwhelmed at where my place was. And I was kind of just auditioning for things and feeling a little like, what am I doing here? And then I think the second year that I lived in New York, I found UCB, which is the Upper Citizens Brigade, which is a comedy theater in New York and LA. And the mecca Uh, of just the best improv, in my opinion. You know what? In my opinion, too. I love UCB. Yeah, I do, too. I was really dead set on 
that was the place. I felt like this was the best. And, and I had to, I, I was like the biggest goal of my life at that time. And, um, you know, finally got to start performing there. And I, um, I lived in New York then for 10 years, performed at UCB the whole time from the day I found it. And then, uh, early on in my UCB life, I met Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer who went on to do broad city and are two of my closest friends. And they very, um, graciously put me in their show broad city, the first season, which is, you know, like a, a, a life changer. It, I mean, not only was it like the most fun and exciting thing, but also it like did change my life. And I owe them <laughs> my firstborn child, I guess. You do. So um, when are you going to do that? Like, when do you plan to get pregnant and give them the child? <laughs> I think I'll figure out some way to have twins. I'm sure there, it will not be hard. And then I'll just, you know, they can take their pick. How often were you going on auditions? What kind of personality do you have to have to endure this life where you're constantly auditioning and you're not getting roles for, you know, you said it sounds like yeah. 10 years. I right. mean, I'm sure you got I, some roles in those 10 years, but. But not a ton, honestly, Rachel. Like, I think the kind of personality you have to have is an insane person doesn't have something wrong with you inside. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be something wrong with you. And that, that makes you think like, oh yes, being told no every day is okay. And I'm, and I'll, I'll be just fine. So the nice thing for me was like, it was rough and, and there were uh, 1 million rejections and truly like not getting a lot of things, getting like a commercial here and there, but I got to perform at UCB, you know, many times a week, you know, wanting more, but also feeling very like kind of creatively, um, fulfilled because I was getting to do improv and sketch those many nights a week at the theater that I love. And it's so fun for me because you are a part of everything I love because Broad City is <laughs> one of the best shows and UCB is amazing and the show that you're on now, The Good Place, which I love that this is a food podcast and your character, Janet, literally cannot eat. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And there is actually a lot of food on the show, but none for Janet. Um, but can I tell you a little insider secret, although I guess I, it's out there, but I'm going to tell you. Okay. Okay. You know how the, um, other five characters are always eating frozen yogurt. It's what? not really frozen yogurt. What is it? It's mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. That's so, okay. That's so funny because I was watching a couple episodes recently and I don't know if it's, if you have the same thing. I think people who work in media and you create stuff, you kind of don't just pay attention to the plot. You kind of like think about like, how did they do that? And how did they do this? Oh yeah, and, totally. Behind, uh, behind the scenes, everything. Behind the scenes, you know. And uh, I was actually thinking, I wonder if that frozen yogurt is real. And I assume that it was just a hard plastic so that it wouldn't melt. Oh. But it's mashed potatoes. And it kind of makes you want mashed potatoes in frozen yogurt form. Like there should be a frozen yogurt machine for mashed potatoes, right? And actually, now that I say that, I, I want to ask Julie in props because I wonder how they get it to look like that. I wonder if they do run it through some sort of machine because it looks exactly frozen yogurt-y. Yeah, I wonder if you can put Ooh. mashed potatoes just in the frozen yogurt machine and it will come <laughs> out that way. It seems so possible, but I literally have no idea what goes into squeezing out frozen yogurt. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know how that works. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course you just put the mashed potatoes in there. But some frozen yogurt scientist right now is listening to this podcast being like, you <laughs> idiot. A froyoologist. <laughs> in just a minute, we're going to learn about Darcy's last meal. But right now we're going to take a quick break. Mm -hmm. 
If you're a fan of naturally gorgeous, off-the-beaten-path vacation spots with small-town charm, you're going to want to plan a visit to Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, where you can grab a scoop of homemade ice cream and stroll around the adorable European seaside village of Paulsbo, or walk on the ferry in Seattle and get off in downtown Bainbridge Island. And May is the perfect month to visit Bremerton or Silverdale, where you can get out of the city and into the forest in just 15 minutes for a beautiful hike. Enjoy a farm-to-table meal at Bremerton's Restaurant Lola, a Black-owned business. I really need to make the trip out there for their Creole brunch. And in the morning, stop by Saboteur Bakery for croissants that are so flaky and buttery, you'll think you're in Paris. There's also a gorgeous golf course in the middle of the forest and there are several naval museums in Bremerton. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal to learn more. That's K-I-T-S-A-P, or you can find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Darcy's character Janet on The Good Place is not a human. She's a very chipper, very perky, very sweet robot lady, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just watch the show. It's on Netflix, who does not have the ability to eat. But real life Darcy can eat. What would your last meal be? Okay, let's see. My last meal. Growing up, my mom, for for birthdays, my a way to make a birthday special, my mom would always make whatever we wanted for dinner. It was like you kind of could create the menu. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I, yeah, it does make sense because that's not a hard concept to grasp, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, um, I, it's basically exactly the same meal as I would have when I was like seven years old, which is a steak, medium rare, a filet. If you're being particular, um, garlic bread, a green salad with blue cheese dressing. And oh, I'm trying to think, okay, so there's a difference between what you should have and what you want to have for your last meal. Because I'm like, oh, I should have another vegetable or something. But I'm like, no, I don't want another vegetable. I want fries is what I want. And what kind of fries fries. do you like? If this, if we're talking last meal, like I can do whatever the hell I want. So maybe, um, like McDonald's fries. (laughs) What is it about McDonald's fries that you love? I think it's just the, uh, some sort of like, salty, crispy, disgusting, like, like comfort. They're really good. So I am so interested that you are into this kind of like steakhouse dinner. I would not have anticipated that, but I guess it goes back to your youth. <laughs> it is a very old man. It's not even like, this is the thing. Cause I I've thought about this question. It's not like what I would order necessarily at all at a restaurant. It's like my last meal. It's my last old man meal. And then you'd have a cognac and exactly. I know. I'd have wear like a, a smoking jacket. I want to know what yep. you would have for dessert. And I have a guess because since it's like this old man steakhouse thing, I feel like I know yeah. what it might be. Okay. Here's the thing. I, I know what you think it would be. And it actually, well, okay. Can we say what you think it will be? What I think you think it will be on three? Okay. Count to three. Okay. One, one two, two, three. three. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're really good at talking at the same time. Okay. Is it cheesecake? It, it, it is not cheesecake, but I knew you were going to say cheesecake. That is so funny. A cheesecake would be the perfect exact dessert for that. But a cheesecake is too, too filling after you've had that much food. So I'm kind of a, a similarly old man dessert. I like a creme brulee or um, 
Um, you know what? Since this is my last meal, I can have two desserts and I can just have a bite of each and I'll, I'll have like a scoop of Rocky Road ice cream. God, I am 75 years old and I am a man. Okay. You may know this because we're both from the Bay Area. So you're from Danville. I'm from Pleasanton. So we grew up like 20 minutes apart. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. So you might know this. I never ordered Rocky Road. It was not a flavor I would ever get, except when I would go to Thrifties. Do you remember Thrifties? Thrifties, 100%. Thrifties was amazing because it was, it, it sounds like we were raised in like the 50s when I tell, I think that scoops were like 25 cents or something. They were so cheap. So Thrifties, for people who don't know, it's now Rite Aid. It was a drugstore yeah. and then it changed to Rite Aid. But it did have like this very old fashioned feel and Thrifties was like this nice cursive logo. And um, in the yeah. drugstore, they had an ice cream counter. And the special thing about Thrifties, which as a child thrilled me more than it should have, was that the scoops were square. Yeah, that was like, You'd never seen anything like it. No, they had a square scoop. And I remember their Rocky Road being really good. And I also remember being super perplexed and still am perplexed by the fact that the ice cream is frozen, but the marshmallows were still soft. Oh, my God. That is a, a weird. We got we got to get uh, this. Um, this frozen yogurt scientist might also have a speciality, especially also might know about ice cream. So <laughs> we got to get this froyo scientist on, on the next pod next pod we're gonna get to the bottom of this right now lauren wilson may not be a froyoologist but she is the owner and chief ice creamologist at seattle's sweet lowe's ice cream and she's also one of the few local ice cream companies that is making rocky road so here's the deal if you live in a city like seattle or portland or you live in brooklyn I think you've noticed that ice cream has been gentrified. If you go into one of these local ice cream shops, which are adorable and most of their flavors are delicious, you can't really find anything except lavender basil and charcoal. And there was a place in Seattle that was actually making a cheese flavored ice cream. And I love all of these, but you know, sometimes you just need a scoop of Rocky Road. Rocky Road ice cream is chocolate ice cream, usually dark chocolate ice cream, chock full of almonds. Traditionally, it was walnuts. First started, I did a little research, and when they first started making Rocky Road in the 1920s, they were using walnuts, toasted walnuts, and they switched over to almonds. So it's almonds now and marshmallow. Why doesn't the marshmallow freeze when everything else in the ice cream is frozen? <laughs> There's so much sugar in a marshmallow. Basically, it's all sugar. And so sugar has a higher freezing temperature. So does the other ingredients in the ice cream freeze? The marshmallows don't because of the, the sugar ratio. Rocky Road is such an endearing flavor because A, it has freezer-defying marshmallows, and B, it has a really cool history. So it's the first flavor that kind of broke out of the vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry trio. So in the 1920s, those were the only three flavors available. So Rocky Road was created by William Dreyer, and one day he took his wife's sewing shears and started cutting up pieces of marshmallow and walnuts, and he put it in chocolate ice cream, and it turned into Rocky Road. So I'm assuming this is William Dreyer of Dreyer's Ice Cream. It is. Did he already have an ice cream empire? He did. So he started making ice cream in 1906, and he apprenticed with various ice cream makers, and then he opened up a shop in Northern California in the early 1920s. And he named it Rocky Road because he created it in March of 1929, and then the Wall Street crash happened. So he wanted to kind of, as an homage and as a little bit of a humor element to it, 
he called it Rocky Road because of the the rockiness that was about to happen for for everyone in the country. Wow, which would be the Great Depression. I would never have thought Isn't that. Isn't that crazy? It's like an emotional Rocky Road. <laughs> exactly. Eat your feelings, nineteen twenties edition. I would imagine. I would imagine because I did read that in the nineteen twenties. People on average ate about nine quarts of ice cream a year. And during the Great Depression, it fell to five quarts. But Rocky Road became the most popular flavor of now the four flavors available. But there's a little bit of drama in the Rocky Road because there was a candy maker with the last name Fenton in California as well. And he claims that he created the first Rocky Road because he was making a candy bar that had marshmallows and walnuts in it. And he claims that he cut up pieces of the candy bar and put it in chocolate ice cream way before dryers. So there's still this this conflict between the two. And if you go, there are still Fenton's ice cream shops all around. And if you go, they still call their Rocky Road the original Rocky Road. So there's a little bit of ice cream drama. Can we eat it now, please? We sure can. Okay. Let's and do then it. we can talk more about it. Okay. Okay. Crack it open. <laughs> This is real good. Isn't it nice? Mm-hmm. It's creamy, chocolatey, taste every ingredient that's in it. I really like the walnuts. Me too. You can taste the toastiness and it has such a nice texture. Totally. I like it better than almonds. I, I do too. I'm glad you like it. I love it. Good. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, so I have to circle back around to our thrifty conversation real quick because both Darcy and I have some pretty strong childhood thrifty memories. I also remember being, you know, like um, under 10 years old, maybe like seven, the age doesn't matter, under 10, being a little kid and my aunt Kathy and uncle Tom taking me to thrifty and be, I think because it was like 25 cents each, they let me get a triple scoop, <laughs> which was like, this is the best thing that could ever happen. But also it was probably such a um, moment in my, like a, like a, a growing up moment what, because it melted. Like I couldn't get through the whole thing. It, would, it melted down my hand before I could get to the bottom scoop. So it was, it was like so, a moment where it was like the world was, I, I could have anything I wanted, but then I was, I was like brought to reality. Like, Oh, that you, you can't have this. This isn't, this isn't better. Like having a, a melted ice cream all over your hand is not better. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I yeah, saying this Yeah, no, right? this is like a very deep Buddhist psychological yes. lesson that you learned. Exactly, exactly. That's, I, I, yeah, that must have been like a real um, formative moment. Totally. Wow. Not to overindulge. Um, my other thrifty memory, and this is from high school, there was a guy that worked at the counter. This was like in the mid 90s, but still he looked like it was the mid 80s and he had okay. a mullet and he wore really tight, jeans like what were they like stonewashed or whatever he looked like kind of like a washed up part rocker part somebody's creepy uncle (laughs) and he had this huge tattoo that took up his entire forearm of a woman's face with huge feathered hair and I was in high school and I remember checking out with an ice cream cone and asking him who's that and he gave me this look like a demon eye look and said that's my (laughs) ex-wife Whoa! <laughs> and he had to look at her feathered face every day for the rest of his life. It's- oh, that is so intense. That's my ex-wife. You were like, sorry, sir. I know. Just ring me up for my 25-cent Rocky Road and I'll be yeah, on yeah, my yeah. way. Okay, so we've had our sweet. We've had our sweet ice cream. And now it's time for something salty. After this break, we're going to learn the history of McDonald's freedom fr- French fries. 
Oh, and Darcy will tell you why there is an apostrophe in her name. listening to your last meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at cascadepbs.org or find a link in the show notes. Darcy Carden wants McDonald's french fries as a part of her last meal. These are the classic french fries. They are hot, they are crisp, they are salty and delicious. Our specification for fries is that we want it to be a firm exterior but a soft, fluffy interior, kind of like a, uh, the interior like a baked potato would be. And, that, and that's something that's, that's hard to replicate. Alan Finkelstein owns five McDonald's restaurants in the Seattle area. The, the color should be golden brown. There's a, a little bit of salt that we put on each one. Uh, one of the things that, that we, uh, when we train our managers, we say, you, you can't just pick up one fry, you got to pick up three. And I've one time said, why is it three? They said, because if you, if you get three, you're just going to get the right blend of the salt. Because some salt... You know, it doesn't stick to everyone, but you, you want to have a little bit of salt. Now, for people that can't have salt, we'll make them for you without. Well, Fries without salt just don't have any at all. That's what I feel. It's kind of like popcorn without salt. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be like pizza without cheese. What's the point? <laughs> the only thing that sucks about French fries is if you don't eat them right away, they're not good anymore. Any French fries. When, you know, the waitress comes over and she's like, oh, do you want a box? No, I don't want a box. They're not. They're going to be hard and weird and cold, and you just can't get them back to their original perfection. So I feel like you got to eat them fast. That's what I do when I when I get a, a a meal. You know, the fries are there and the the burgers there. My wife and I were always going for the fries first because you're right. I mean, they're 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 skinny and they they don't retain heat as you know as much as a hamburger would. So we always eat the fries first, and then you don't have to worry about having the leftovers. McDonald's was born in 1955 in Southern California. And Alan says the recipes are pretty close to the originals. But I want to share with you a little bit of Alan's McDonald's history, because it's a pretty sweet little slice of Americana. So I started at 16 years old at a McDonald's right over by University Village, and that was my, my first job. And uh, today, uh, my wife and I own five McDonald's restaurants. Throughout that whole time, I've, uh, McDonald's has been my only job. Really? Mm-hmm. I actually met my, my wife at McDonald's when we were both 19 years old. So what were your jobs? At the time when you met? Uh, I was a shift manager and she was an hourly employee. And as they say, the rest is history. We, we met and uh, we've been married 42 years, have three grown kids. So Alan says McDonald's fries used to be made from scratch in every restaurant. So instead of getting these bags of frozen fries they get now, they would get a bag of potatoes. Uh, and the employees in each restaurant would peel them, cut them, and fry them. But now, in order to get a uniform product that tastes the same all around the world, uh, and I imagine it's just so much faster to do it this way, the fries are now processed in advance at a plant and then sent to restaurants pre-peeled, pre-cut, par-fried, and frozen. So when you order fries at McDonald's, all they have to do is throw them in the fryer. So let's talk about the change in fat. Um, McDonald's used to use 
beef tallow, correct, which is beef fat. Um, when did that change occur? Why? And how did that change the fries? So that came about in the early 90s. You never want to mess with a, a, a tried and true recipe. On the other hand, the consumers were asking for French fries that were better for you if there's something something out there like that. And so what we did is is we were leading in the industry where we changed our, our oil, the frying oil that we had, to trans fat-free oil. And once we did that, then the beef tallow went away. And it did change the taste. But I can tell you over the years since the 90s, which is now what uh, – McDonald's has continued to to work on the French fry to get it back to the taste that we had in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s to the taste that we have today. And I, and I think we're really close. McDonald's fries, now safe for vegetarians. When I say the name Darcy Carden, there is something that you just can't hear. There is a tiny little fleck of punctuation that has become quite the topic of conversation. I want to talk about your name because you spell your name D apostrophe capital A R C Y, uh, and tell me why you changed the spelling of your name because you were not born with an apostrophe. I was not born with an apostrophe. That is true. I was born just regular D small A R C Y, so D A R C Y. And then when I was in junior high, you were in junior high at the same time because we were exactly the same age, down to twenty four hours. Um, and Smashing Pumpkins, the band, was like all the rage, and I was very obsessed with them. But in particular, the bassist, who was like this cool, badass rocker, blonde, like bleach blonde. Oh, she was so cool. And her name was D apostrophe capital A-R-C-Y. And so honestly, without even like making a decision, I wasn't, I didn't weigh any pros and cons. I just started spelling my name like that, like just without thinking about it which I think my parents were kind of like, why are you doing this? You know, like that's not the, my mom is a little bit of like a name snob, I would say. You've met my mom. Yeah. Well, she, do you remember that she's like the nicest woman? Yes. Because, <laughs> because, because secretly I've, I've always wanted to be in your family, like really badly. You guys have the nicest, sweetest family and you guys all get along and you actually really like each other and you have so much fun and your parents are cool. That is really nice. And it couldn't be cheesier, but I would say I agree with you. Like that <laughs> I should just say like thank you, but I also agree. I think that my family's really cool. And I love them and I love spending time with them. Oh my god, I miss them right now. Um, <laughs> um but my mom is a bit of a name snob and so the fact that I was putting this apostrophe into her, her name basically that you know, she she gave me um was not her favorite thing. And she made fun of me for a long time and and would to mock me spell her name M apostrophe O-M. <laughs> oh, and, that's really cute. <laughs> which I love. Um, I never even thought about changing it back. My mom, whose name um, is Barbara, at the height of her obsession with Barbara Streisand, which was probably in the 70s, my mom changed the spelling of her name to be like Barbara Streisand's because Barbara Streisand's has yeah. one less A than the typical spelling. It looks like Bar-bra. Bar-bra, right. Uh-huh. But um, my mom gave that up because... She just doesn't have the stamina that you do to keep up with an apostrophe. <laughs> the common thing is to just do it for, you know, a month or two. But yeah, I I um I never went back. So do people um, ever pronounce your name like Darcy when they talk they, to you? Yes, they do. I just did a um this funny little video with Entertainment Weekly um where they where it was all about the apostrophe. Uh, check it out. I don't know how to. I don't know how to link it through my voice, but um, you know, Google it. <laughs> oh my God! What if you had to like French kiss someone to pass the link along? 
Oh, I hope that's next. Me too. Woo, kissing rocks. You see, my name is spelled D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Do you know how often people spell my name wrong or mispronounce it? The answer is every once in a while. And it's kind of a hassle. Every day, thousands of people in this country live their lives with names that have apostrophes in them, or as the French call them, les apostrophes. Les apostrophes. My name's not Da Arcy. It's Darcy. Da. And that was Darcy Carden's last meal. I feel like we needed an applause for some reason. Yay! (laughs) You can watch Darcy on NBC's The Good Place. Season 2 is out now, and I advise you to follow her on Twitter. She's a pretty funny lady. Thanks to Lauren Wilson of Sweet Lowe's Ice Cream. If you live in the Seattle region, go to SweetLowe'sIceCream.com to see where you can buy one of her pints. Thanks to Alan Finkelstein, owner of five McDonald's franchises in the Seattle region. This episode was produced by Aaron Mason and me with original music by Prom Queen. Subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. If you like what you hear, tell a friend. This actually helps to keep the podcast alive. And we have a lot of fun guests coming up. Jeopardy champ Ken Jennings, top chef judge and cookbook author Gail Simmons, and more. So happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. Uh, Ooh, if you're craving something Thanksgiving-y, listen to the Christopher Kimball episode where he talks about apple pie. Maybe you'll get inspired to bake one of your own. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I understand what you mean. So I'm like, I'll make a, I'll make a damn salad. You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Am I saying this right? You don't necessarily get, does that make sense? It's good, but it has like a little bit of a burn taste. Do you know what I mean? I realized something. Do I say, do you know what I mean too much?